Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast starring Matt Levy and Mike Staub. We love video games and have embarked on a journey to index the greatest video games of all time into our very own Hall of Fame. Here's the show. Hello and welcome to the Hall of Fame video game podcast. I am your host, Matt Levy, and I'm joined as always by the dragon slayer himself. Mike Stab, how are you, Mike? Matt, I just wanted to say I was once a podcaster like you until I took an arrow to the knee. That's all it took. Now, Mike, this is great. And I want to first start before getting into our episode today. I had the pleasure of joining Mike this past weekend at the Long Island Retro Expo at the Cradle of Aviation. And I just have to say, before we get into our episode, it was an amazing time. And you and the crew put on an amazing show. Thanks, Matt. I was really good to see you and and a common guest, Bill, Bill Burns there. It was really nice seeing both of you guys there hanging out and and playing all these games and, and really taking it in. It's a really special event that a very special group of people puts up every year. And it makes the second weekend in August just like the coolest weekend ever. I work in what they call the museum section of it. So we have all the oddities and all the weird stuff and all like the the, the Japanese computers and wow, a whole bunch of stuff. So it's one of those things where it is so special to be a part of and so amazing to set up. And and unfortunately, we, we can only set it up for like two and a half days and then we got to break it down. But it is nonstop video games for three or four days, for about two and a half days. And it's just magical. It's something it feels. It's got an arcade vibe to it. It's got a great energy. Long Island Retro is one of the most laid back, chill and fun conventions I've been to. And it's really special to work on it. And I know for next year, they've only got bigger and better plans already in the works. So. I have to say, as a guest, this was my second year attending, and it was by far bigger and better than last year. But coming from a video game, basically retro gaming podcast, we talk about Hall of Fame games, most of them from 10, 15, 20 years from previous generations. It just it definitely wet my whistle for retro gamings and definitely scratched the itch of just seeing some unicorns and holy grail type games and consoles and just seeing everything set up on these beautiful original you know crts and monitors was was just jaw-dropping to to watch yeah and you think it would just be a bunch of old guys right a bunch of old guys hanging out talking about the good old days but retro gaming as i've said in gaming in general is for everyone it's for everyone gaming is not a not a hobby that is locked to a certain demographic or a certain gender or a certain age group or whatever gaming's for everyone and uh, Long Island Retro proves that it's for everyone because when you see all the pictures that get posted and you, you're walking around the convention floor, there are people from all sorts of walks in life, all different ages, parents with their kids, little kids dying to play Sonic 2. It's, it's a really special, special event. There's cosplayers, there's artists, there's musicians. It's a weird crossover and cross-section of everything the hobby is about. And while it does celebrate retro gaming, it doesn't bash modern gaming. And we want to be an open and welcoming place for gamers of all walks of life. And if you're only dabbled a little bit in video games, it's a great place to be. If, you've a hard, if you're a hardcore gamer who wants to play a Sharp X68000, we have one of those too. So it's one of those things where 
Um, I really, I'm really a proponent on a total lack of gatekeeping. I hate gatekeeping. So I love being able to show people all of these amazing things and the amount of excitement you see out of people who are playing Street Fighter 2 on a PC Engine Duo import from Japan. And they're like, oh, I love Street Fighter 2. What the heck console is this? And then it's like almost like a history lesson. So it's great. It's educational, but still fun. And it's got that it's got that vibe to it, man. It's got that classic Epcot vibe. Yeah, you know, it, where it definitely we're had a great energy about it. And we did see those kids that were just dying to play Sonic 2. And I won't judge them, even though they don't know there's a lot better video games out there, Mike. Yeah, there are, but it, people just want to play Sonic 2 and they want to play Mario 3. And if you're Bill, you want to play Mario 2 and Mario Sunshine. And maybe <laughs> next year we'll create that room. So, Mike, let's talk about our game of the week. The game being entered into our very, very special Hall of Fame. And that is a game that is getting close to that retro type discussion. I don't know if it's bordering on a retro game now, but it's been ported and remastered so many times, but it started back 11 years ago on 11-11-11, a date that there's very few release dates in video games, Mike, that are probably as big and as well known as this game here we're talking about today. No, you're 100% right. Skyrim is weird because it came out 11 years ago and it still feels like it's, it is still the newest Elder, Elder Scrolls game. And I kind of hate that uh, because it's proven it's a cash cow. And I think we're seeing this with Mario Kart 8. Uh, and uh, as Skyrim continues to sell and everything from Xbox 360 to refrigerators to now eventually the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox series, uh, I don't think we're going to see Skyrim go well, away anytime I soon. I take some blame because I've rebought that game on Steam. Then I got it, I think maybe they remastered it on Steam, and then I bought it on the Switch, and then I bought it on the... And I bought it now three or four times, so I'm part of the problem, Mike. You are the problem, Matt. <laughs> you are the problem. This is probably the most re-release game I could think of yes. in the modern context. Now, Street Fighter 2 is literally on every console. And I'd say that some of the early but... Sonic the Hedgehog games have yeah. been put out, some of the Mario Brothers games, but I agree with you. This game, the amount of releases and remasters and special editions of this game, and the crazy part is it's almost warranted because this game, Mike, is that good. Oh, no, Skyrim's awesome. Skyrim's amazing. It's unbelievably good. It is a giant, massive, expansive first-person role-playing game from the folks over Bethesda, who is now owned by Microsoft. Now, I, I know you can play in third-person, but come on. Uh, it's, that You're playing Skyrim in third-person, you're probably doing something wrong. And it's it's just a really ex excellent, expansive experience. It's got amazing expansion packs. It's got very cool things you can do. It does fall in line with Oblivion quite, quite kind of step in step, right? It's kind of in lockstep with Oblivion as being very similar games, but it's kind of like makes it more interesting because it's like, okay, cool. We can change the environment and give you kind of this Nordic Norse Viking style world of Skyrim, but really keep together a lot of the same stuff that made Oblivion so so amazing. And um, to also parrot what you were saying before about all these re-releases, Sonic and Mario and a lot of these other games, they don't get like 
they get released in different places, but they're not remastered, right? Like Skyrim has been remastered a few times. Skyrim and Grand Theft Auto V are really the games from the generation that like can't die, right? They're like, they'll never be killed because they're worth so much to both Bethesda and Rockstar alike. But Skyrim kind of does warrant it. It's it's always a good day to get into Skyrim, whether you're starting it for the first time or you're playing another build. And I think what makes Skyrim so good is, and this is kind of true of all Western RPGs to a degree, and this is why Western RPGs are popular among Westerners, it's the freedom, right? Now, I joke and I talk about Demon Souls and Elden Ring for being janky. But if those are janky, like Skyrim is like the jankiest of the jank. And people kind of love it for that. There's charm in it for that. Like they don't fix the bugs because the fan base doesn't care and it's still going to sell millions upon millions of copies. So it's interesting to see how long Skyrim has kind of lived and, and lasted. But I think the reason why it has to is because. In today's day and age, when you're creating a game as big and as, and as expansive as Skyrim, you have to kind of milk it for every dollar that it's worth because funding the next project is going to take years upon years upon years. If Bethesda didn't re-release Skyrim every two or three years, I don't know how feasible games like Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six would be. Now, to be fair, Microsoft owns them now, so they have all that Microsoft money coming in. But at the same time there's still a game that needs to be profitable. And I think Skyrim is beyond profitable at this point. But I do think that its its prestige kind of warrants everything it's gotten, as much as I can make fun of it for being an endless release. Yeah, no, totally. And I love your comparison to GTA, a game that you can milk and milk and milk. But similar to it, Mike, is the fact that this game, I feel like it's a game people can log 20 hours, 50 hours, 100 hours, and never really beat the game. I wonder, of the people that have played Skyrim, how many have actually completed the game? And I feel like games like this and Grand Theft Auto are very few. I have to admit, full confession on this podcast, Oblivion, I got towards the end. Skyrim, I didn't get anywhere near the end. And I probably logged 30 hours. I didn't put as many hours in. Is this a game you ever fully completed and beat? Yes. I've beaten Oblivion and I've beaten Skyrim. I did not do as much of the bonus content as other people. What's weird about Oblivion and Skyrim is that these games you can clear very quickly. If you just play the story and you don't do all the side quests, where you get lost in these games are the side quests. Yep. You get lost fighting rats and sewers to get level up, or you get lost doing mage quests or thieves guild quests or assassins guild quests. That's where you get lost in these games. You get lost becoming a werewolf or trying to not be a vampire or trying to be a vampire. I, I don't know. To each their own. You do whatever the heck you want. But in Skyrim, if you're just doing a straight run straight to the end, it's going to be a little difficult, but you can clear it fairly quickly. So I did finish this one. I loved it. It was really good. And it's a janky mess, but we love it for that. Uh well, let's talk about some of that jank, Mike. Let's get into this wonderfully janky game. Again, we've seen that with, with all the love and praise in the world. So when this game was released on 11, 11, 11, it was released for the PC, the PS3 and the 360. So let's specifically talk about kind of what this game was when it first came out and kind of what this game did special compared to Oblivion, because we talked about Oblivion on this podcast. It is in our Hall of Fame. And I personally said, I, you might have agreed that I personally enjoyed my time or liked Oblivion personally, not that it's a better game per se, 
but it's maybe a nostalgia for me, or I just enjoyed it or it hit home with me more. But let's talk about some of the features of this. Now, I think that one of the big things was you were able to dual wield in this game where you can either hold two weapons, do magic and a weapon. And I think that as far as the combat, that kind of flesh things out a little bit. Yeah, it definitely makes the combat better. I think I prefer the environment of Oblivion better. I don't like I get bored of the snow and the mountains and the Scandinavia. I get a little bored of it after a while. I feel like the the environments in Skyrim are a little less interesting than say Oblivion. But I think the combat and all that stuff is better. Yeah, it's still jank. Like it still barely works. But at the same time, it's something that works better than Oblivion does. And they did include some some cool aspects of the Fallout games that kind of came out in between Oblivion and Skyrim. So, like, obviously Fallout 3, which is an amazing game, and Fallout New Vegas, which is an even better game, released in 2008 and 2010, respectively. Now, New Vegas was not developed by Bethesda. It was developed by Obsidian based on Bethesda's framework for Fallout 3, but Bethesda was very much involved with how Obsidian crafted New Vegas, which I think is actually possibly the best of all of these games. I really love New Vegas. I think New Vegas is fantastic. And it's really the first proof of concept that Obsidian really knows what they're doing in terms of making these RPGs after having kind of a rocky start with games like KOTOR 2. Now, and I love KOTOR 2, but it's like, it's it's got some problems. It's got some jank. It's not finished, but maybe now on Switch, I can finally play it to its to its capacity. And Skyrim, they invent, they added some of that critical hit stuff that you would get out of Fallout. So when you would critical hit, you would actually, the camera would zoom out and actually show you like totally destroy whatever you were doing. Similar to, similarly to Fallout, when you would hit someone with one of those vats and like blow their head off or something like that. It was a really cool way to, to give that Fallout feel to an Elder Scrolls game. And just kind of a reminder that this is all in the same universe. Now, Skyrim and and Fallout feel very similar. Fallout 4, even more so, feels more like Skyrim, even though I don't really like Fallout 4 that much. And it's one of those things where it draws you in immediately. Like the intro movie to Fallout, I'm sorry, excuse me, the intro movie to Skyrim is now, it's like legendarily mimetic now, right? That like, you wake up on that cart and you're looking at the guy and you're about to get executed. You're about to get beheaded. Yeah, they're going to cut your head off for, I forget, I, I just Jean Valjean it, oh, I stole some bread or whatever. <laughs> and they bring you to the gallows or whatever they call it, the chopping block. And uh, before they can chop your head off, Dragon comes by and screws up everything for everyone else except for you so that you and the other dudes can kind of escape. And that was like the big thing about Skyrim, right? The big thing about Skyrim was that, oh, we got dragons now. And uh, the dragon showing up was a big part of this game. And they even make a big deal of it in the story when you're talking to like the Jarls and all that stuff. They're like, oh, we haven't seen a dragon in this many years, but you're the dragonborn. So you kill these dragons and take their powers like Mega Man. And you shoot, you you shoot, you shout things at people. You have your dragon shouts. And it's like a cool added bonus to the normal stuff that you could do in Fallout, sorry, in Skyrim or Oblivion, where you can dual wield now, like you said, you got magic, you got that, you got dragon shouts. You got a lot more you can do in this game than normal, but most people will just make a sneaky archer. Yeah, there's definitely a lot you can do in this game, but I'm glad you brought up the opening, the intro to this game. Like Oblivion, 
like Fallout 3, I feel like Bethesda does a really good job of right out of the bat having you have that memorable intro. I will never forget the intros of both Oblivion and Fallout 3. They both have that kind of you escape, you get outside type situation. And this game has that where you start on the cart and you're going up the tower and the dragon's attacking the tower and the, the village as you're about to get beheaded. And it's a really cool sequence. And yes, I'd say probably the thing most talked about leading up to this game was the wildlife where they've added dragons in, where you can come across dragons in the wild. And I don't know if this is the time of dragons in our culture because we had Harry Potter had a dragon. Goblet of Fire was years before this. I think The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog was a couple years after. Game of Thrones was after. But I feel like we were still living in a time of, of magic and dragons where it was cool to have dragons in anything. It was just fun to have dragons. Yeah, I I would agree. I would agree that dragons might have been going through a little bit of a. They might have had some good PR in this period, and it's been it's the dragon the dragon era of video games. But yeah, the I dragons also think, agents were doing some good yeah, marketing, really good, really good work. A lot of dragons are getting good work. I will say this much though: I think dragons in general, like there's dragon people. I think I think we know we probably know some that are very much into the dragons. And I'm not gonna. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm. I'm just saying that there's 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 dragon people out there. They like them. They like they like these giant sky sky lizards that shoot stuff out of their mouth. It's a it's a very interesting interesting creature uh, that is probably somehow based off of what we thought dinosaurs were when we dug up bones. But dragons are cool, man. And dragons should be special. I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, very rarely do we actually fight any a real dragon in Dungeons and Dragons. And I like it that way. Fighting a dragon should be something that is both terrifying and special. If dragons be, are everywhere, mystical. Yes. it should be a mystical creature. You should not come across it every stop sign in nope. your in your in your dungeon and dragoning. Unless you specifically live in Dragon Town. Now, if you live in Dragon Town and there are no dragons, well, then that's just <laughs> false advertisement. So Mike is right. This was very much upgraded by the Fallout Three engine. And you saw things that graphically were pretty darn cool. I remember the draw distance being really impressive in this game compared to Oblivion. I remember the detail, the movements, the animations, while it's still janky, were better than Oblivion. And I think specifically the the camera system was better for both first person and third person for every crazy people that were using third person camera. Yeah, you're mad and drunk with power. You should stop and go home. I, I do think, though, that you're 100% right. This game refined everything that Oblivion was doing. Everything. And the combat is much better. The controls are much better. The cameras are much better. Everything's much better in terms of gameplay. Now, if you were to take Oblivion and rebuild it within the Skyrim engine, you probably probably could potentially have a better game. Because I think Oblivion is more interesting. It's got that whole interesting, like, hell on earth kind of vibe and you got all this weirdo stuff and it's a cooler environment but ultimately everything in skyrim is good yeah i like think everything about people, it is good most people would probably agree that the plot was also better in oblivion the main story arc was probably better but not that this was a bad story it was 200 years after oblivion and i think people enjoyed that having to save the world type storyline but you do have a lot of common threads that you get in elder scrolls games which is you get your create your own character, Mike. You get to upgrade their skills or abilities and create whatever adventure you want to create for your journey. Yeah, and as long as you don't take that arrow to the knee, you'll probably be an adventurer for quite some time. So being able to craft your own 
build is very important. We talk about image crafting a lot when it comes to games like this, even when we talk about all the way down to like Pokemon, but we talk about stuff like that with customization and being able to truly craft a character that like matches your identity, right? Or an identity that you want to play as in a game or in a virtual environment. And this is kind of the closest thing to being able to play something akin to like Dungeons and Dragons, but in a video game setting that gives you the freedom to do kind of what you want. Now, Skyrim and Oblivion, they have these pre-made classes that you can use, but it's also fun to kind of make stuff up yourself. So yeah, yeah it's it's really, I, I mean, we all love some good old fashioned customization and Skyrim has a ton of it. Yeah, there's, there's a ton of customization. If you want to be heavily a bow user, you can use the bow. If you want to be more of a magic user, if you want to be a rogue, there's so many different ways you could play this game and that can influence almost every quest. You can go around and be a mass murderer of NPCs. I mean, there's really limitless what you can do besides killing children. They've, they've learned, you draw the line, they will not let you kill NPC children, you crazy people. Well, that's fine. And that's how it should be. But at the same time, I will, if I want, I will kill any NPC that I feel like. However, I usually don't feel like killing any of them. And if it happens, it's usually a mistake. <laughs> What's Unless cool the NPC is a jerk and a bad guy. Of course. The NPCs in this game, I think, took one of the biggest leaps from yeah. Oblivion. Yeah. Uh, first off, they're, they're animated, so they're moving around. When you do interact with them, it doesn't do that like zoom into their face and you're like, Stuck in a cutscene. Bumbo, bumbo. Yeah, That's what I it, always sound. Instead, it is in game. It doesn't stop the game for for that NPC interaction, and I liked that a lot because that was probably one of my biggest things I didn't like about Oblivion. That every time I talked to an NPC, it would stop, zoom in on that weird wrinkly faces or whoever it was, and then you saw they're blinking in their eyes, and it was kind of creepy. <laughs> Mike's doing it for me now. Would you like to join the murder guild? We have an opening. For you, warrior, you know, that's... And I didn't think it was creepy back when Oblivion first came out, but just watching how it's aged, it's a little weird how those NPCs interact. But I would be ashamed of myself if I did not talk about a Skyrim game or a Elder Scrolls game without talking about the mod community, Mike. And I'm sure you've seen some of the wild, crazy mods for Skyrim on the crazy internet. Listen, you folks got to stop. Can you please (laughs) just stop? Could you stop with the mods? Like to a degree, it's okay. You know, giving black giving Spider-Man a black costume and Spider-Man on PC. Yeah, I wanted that. So that's cool. But when you turn Spider-Man into the Kingpin, it's too much. It's too much, Matt. I can't handle this. So on Skyrim, some of it's fun. You know, some of the some of the mods are fun. You clean up the graphics, give it like an HD, you know, once over, maybe update the the human faces so that they look better. Cause like, boy. The humans are ugly in this game. Whoa, dude. I mean, wow. You It's like you almost tried tried to look that ugly. Um, so I've seen mods like that to make everything a little bit more, a little bit prettier. But in general, which, which I think Skyrim and most Elder Scrolls games can benefit from. They could benefit from a little a little polish when it comes to their visuals and their graphics and their style. But I draw the line at the dragon sounding like Macho Man. That's where I draw the line, guys. I watched the video on YouTube, but that's not how I'm playing my game. Everyone's got a line, and Mike's is Macho Man Randy Savage as the dragon. Let it be known. I love 
the cream of the crop himself, Mr. Macho Man Randy Savage. He is great. He represents like my favorite style of wrestler. I will watch Macho Man videos until I pass out because nothing makes me happier than seeing that maniac just go off. And no one where we're going can slap it to a Slim Jim. No. Like the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. So, yes, the modding community has done some wildly impressive things with both Oblivion and Skyrim. And it is always fun to see what crazy things people come up with. Like you said, Spider-Man's been out like 72 hours and <laughs> Stan Lee is like swinging around, <laughs> around the streets of Manhattan. <laughs> These maniacs, man. It's it's the mods in games, I think, like Skyrim. Now, there are always going to be silly mods, but I feel like the mods in a game like Skyrim are a lot of times it's kind of like the similar to like the mods in Grand Theft Auto where they're just making a lot of times they're just going to make it like look better, operate better, put better weather environments, better texturing, all that stuff. Like it's the nerdy side. When you take these Sony games that have like pre-established characters that have really good character designs, that's when the then the modding community is like ridiculous. Like if you see Street Fighter mods, they're unreal. Resident Evil mods are stupid, are stupid, ridiculous. Spider-Man is now obviously stupid. There's so many dumb mods in that. Final Fantasy VII Remake has a bunch of really dumb mods. So like, I feel like that. And, and yes, yeah, Skyrim is chock full of stupid mods too. But there's just so many that like it's hard for them to point to, to like stand out which one is like the it most is ridiculous. very cool when the modding community makes a 15 gigabyte patch it's like here are all new textures for this area of, of a of a village or something it's yeah, like, yeah what who has this time I, I would love to have like a, a fraction of the time it takes to do something like that and i have much respect for these people but i'm like matt it's a it's a struggle for us to find an hour right. sometimes <laughs> to talk we're trying to pod for you guys and we're i wouldn't say we're the busiest people in the world but you modders I, I got to take tip my hat to you. But yeah, definitely. They're amazing. We joked that Skyrim is everywhere. It came later to the PS4 and Xbox One in 2016. It came to the Switch and the PS4 VR in 2017. And then it came to the PS5, the Xbox Series X and S in 2021, just this past year. So this game continues to get releases. I think that's probably, they said, the last release, the... PS5, Xbox Series X release. I can't imagine you're going to see much more of this game. But by 2016, it had sold 30 million copies, which was about $600 million. And I think by now, if that's 2016, they've still released four more editions since then. They're probably up to 40 or 50 million copies by now, Mike, which is one of the greatest selling video games of all time. Yeah, I mean, man, that's, that's my record eight numbers, right? So that's really good. That's really good. It seems like a lot, there's like a, a stable of these games from like 2011 to like 2013, 2014. Like there's like five or six of these games that have been re-released to the point where like it's made them the best-selling games of all time. Grand Theft Auto 5 is obviously one of them. Minecraft doesn't I don't know if I'd count Minecraft cuz Minecraft is like Minecraft is always going to be re-released on everything forever. And right? it's on iPads and iPhones yeah. where it's almost not acceptable to compare it to. Yeah. What's scary about Mario Kart, which you just said, that game was on two consoles. Yeah, I know. While Skyrim has been on like 12 different system releases. It's, <laughs> it's, it's Mario Kart's like ridiculous. If that was on like the PlayStation, forget it. Forget it. If they were like Nintendo had some deal and they put Mario Kart on PC, the game would have sold 100 million copies. Like it would, you would be looking at like, you would be looking at GTA 5 numbers for Mario Kart if it, sold, if it was sold cross platform. But 
Grand Theft Auto Five, Mario Kart Eight, and Skyrim are like the three games that have been re-released a few times and have just done nothing but sell the most amount of copies. Yeah, it's absolutely insane and good for the guys at Bethesda, which are now, as you said, part of Microsoft. So good for them. Hopefully it helps helps support the development of the next Elder Scrolls game. Yeah, I hope it does. I hope it doesn't stifle their vision. I hope it doesn't get create hurdles for them, unnecessary hurdles for them. When a giant media conglomerate buys your company, it doesn't always end up being the best thing, especially for creativity. As much as I like Marvel and Marvel movies, the Marvel movies are really starting to show some somewhere, right? And obviously it's 10, 11 years later, 12 years later. And like, come on, the train had to end at some point, right? That's only a reasonable thing to think. But like, is this the studio getting too involved at this point? Are things starting to fall apart because the studio is shoehorning all this nonsense in there that they don't need to? Will we see that with Sky with the next Elder Scrolls game. Will we see that with Starfield? I don't know. I'm excited to play anything Bethesda comes out with in the next few years, just as I was ex- ex- super excited when Skyrim released in 2011. And this game is just, it's a its a trip, man. It's a trip into like this weirdo medieval world. By the end of the game, my character was like the head of the Thieves Guild, the head assassin, a werewolf. We had a team of folks that would 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 travel with him, one of which I pretty much just used as like a mule to like hold all my stuff. Like you just hold all my stuff and, and put it in my house. I would do stuff like that and you get teammates like you couldn't get in games before. And it, it was really good. Skyrim was really special. It's hard to talk specifics with a game like Skyrim. I know. I feel like we could talk for an hour and you wouldn't even cover some of the, the specific details or quests of this game. It's hard to really do it justice because this game is so massive, Mike. Yeah, it's so massive to talk about, and it's not that different than Oblivion, a game that we talked about earlier. Like, I could sit here and try to split hairs between the two games, but it almost feels like Skyrim is a continuation of what Oblivion started, which is definitely a refined version of what Morrowind is. Now, I know there are mods out there that I think that com- that connect all three games. I think that exists out there somewhere where someone's modded Morrowind and Oblivion to look like Skyrim, which is really cool. I mean, that's really, really cool to do that and you can connect the three. But in the end, this is a really special experience. It's a really great game. And it just proves that Bethesda has this winning formula of nonsense that they can put together and string together to give you a very fun and creative experience, albeit one that is like kind of like kind of falling apart on the edges like skyrim feels like it's held together with 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 a duct tape but like really nice duct tape so mike skyrim a beloved game uh bethesda's probably their masterpiece i think people were going to talk about their most renowned game this probably goes sits the top of the tower if you ask mass audiences and as far as inspiration what this game influenced what this game inspired what comes to mind for me, and you can tell me if I'm completely wrong, I feel like Witcher 3 definitely drew some things from this game. And I even think Breath of the Wild drew some stuff from this game. Thoughts? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely. Any wide open world RPG that released after 2011 is at least in some way inspired by Skyrim. There's no way that it can't be. There's no way that it can't be because it's such a monumental open world success. 
and it's it's so special. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, while it doesn't necessarily totally play like Skyrim, it's definitely influenced that way. Yeah, no, I you definitely know? I definitely agree. Witcher 3 came out, I believe, what, it was 2015 and then Breath of the Wild 2017? Is that the releases of those? Yeah, that seems about right. Yeah, so definitely, uh, I agree. Any open world game probably took uh, took a little bit, just a little bit from our, our friends over at Bethesda and Skyrim. Yeah, so You, you kind of have to. Yeah, so that will do it. I'm sure this is a game that we'll look back on and say, wow, we could have talked about that. We could have talked about that because there's just so much to this game. But like you said, it's hard to talk about the details and just really talk about what the vast general, uh, what this game is trying to accomplish, what this game does accomplish. And that's a lot, but getting into intricacies of actual quests and details, it's it's not one of those type of experiences. It's not a scripted game where you talk about the scripted moment. No, you're right. You're right. It's not like the story doesn't matter. It's not. No, that's why when we when you were like, hey, nobody finishes this game. That's kind of the joke about Skyrim is that nobody really finishes it. What people do is they play it and play it and play it and go back and make a new build and play it and play it and play it and go back and make a new build and do all these things and differentiate their characters. There's so many options, so much customization, so many places to go, so many things to do, so many things to see uh, just by walking around the world that, you know, sometimes there's a cave that you want to walk into and you find some like legendary item in there. That's kind of how it works. So being able to create specifics from Skyrim is very, very difficult. And it's not something I would really want to do because I think that's counterproductive. I think where yeah. Skyrim wins is when it's where Skyrim wins is when it's open and customizable and f- fun. Yeah. No, totally. I absolutely agree. So that is 111111's Skyrim. And now, Mike, we will go into because as everyone knows, the last few weeks, me and Mike have been talking about our top threes which were our social media fun little daily event we've been doing where we've been posting our favorite games, our top three from each console and handheld system. And that's what our last couple of weeks of episodes podcasts were. And I wanted to now ask you, Mike, what you've been playing? Yeah, I got nothing good to say here, Matt. The last few weeks for me have been crazy. I've, I've been very busy with with band stuff. I've been very busy with the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo, among other things. So I'm still playing Live Alive. It's the only thing I'm playing right now. I've played a little bit of Street Fighter V here and there, but I have pretty much only played Live Alive. I'm still not finished with it yet because I really can't play it for more than like a half hour or an hour at a time. And I, I'm, at, I'm in the last chapter of Live Alive. And the last chapter of Live Alive is grindy. This is a big old spoiler. So, Matt, I'm sorry if I spoil anything for you or if you don't care. So, there's a thing, there's an event. I'm not going to tell you what events happen, but there's an event that happens in Live Alive that allows you to kind of, it puts you in a spot where all the characters meet up. So, the big thing that everyone criticized Octopath Traveler for, it gets changed because now we have actual interaction between these characters and you have the seven characters from Live Alive that all get to interact in this final chapter. And in this final chapter, you're running around, you're like Final Fantasy VI, finding all of these characters all over this little world and you're doing all these special events and dungeons and getting special items and weapons for these characters. So that's the part I'm at right now. It's just, the, it's grindy because you got to run around and they bring in random battles for the last half of the game. 
And so you don't see the enemies on the map anymore like you did in the in the previous chapters. You just get into classic Final Fantasy style random battles. So it's a little bit of a grind at the end, but it's fun. It's fun. The battle system's a lot of fun. It's not the strongest aspect of the game. The strongest aspect of the game is how different each character feels and, and operates. And the interest is in their vignettes. But I'm loving this game. I really hope to finish it this week. I'm ready to move on to Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Oh, you know what? I also played like 20 minutes of Stray. Stray is a game I really want to spend some more time with. I played it on the uh, PlayStation 5 with the, the subscription model. How'd you like your time as a cat? It. I don't know what cats are like. I've never had a cat. It seems like the cats move like cats move. And it's a. it is a... What I experienced was that it is a very fun... It is very fun to kind of be a cat and run around as a cat in this game and you hit circle or square or whatever to meow which is really just the shining moment of this game it's really cool design it's got like kind of weird weird cyberpunk kind of aesthetic so it's cool i i liked what i played astray and i intend to finish it i heard it's only about five hours long and i want to play it no that's awesome mike yeah i've heard that's a fun game as the reviews came out the last few weeks i read a lot of puns that had to do with cats for the, the title so kudos to all the media with all their puns but yes, the Live Alive spoiler, fortunately, I already knew that they do all grew up together. It's not a big, that's not a huge spoiler. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Matt. But there are people online who are very sensitive oh, to yeah. spoilers and I don't want to upset them. Like, I'm not trying to be like, yeah, go up. Like, no, seriously, I don't want to, I don't want to upset anyone if they didn't know that was coming and wanted to be surprised. So you you wouldn't say like, you know, Sephiroth shows up at the end, halfway through and kills off the lead female character. Not that you don't want to do a spoiler like that. No, no. And I don't know if that's going to happen in the remake, by the way. <laughs> it might not. I think Zach might bite it this time. I can't wait. So, Mike, I've been jumping into a game you and me have been discussing. That is Multiverses. Yeah. Oh, I did play some of this. Yeah. No, it's not good. It's, Sorry, Matt. It's not good. Thank you for your animation, <laughs> Mike. I, no, I love the emotion. My son saw a commercial or an ad or something for this game. So I said, you know what? It doesn't cost me anything but my free time. So let me download it on the PS5. And I found that I found that the character roster, first off, I thought was very, very limited. But that's a gotcha mechanic. So they give you like two or three characters you can use. And it's very time consuming to try and unlock other characters. But then I guess season one just changed two days ago. So I lost the three characters I had. They gave me three new characters that I already leveled up the previous ones. So I'm a little frustrated. Everything feels like gotcha. Everything feels like they're trying to ask for money at every turn. And I get it. I didn't pay for the game, but I found the game itself to just lack. And I think Yumi said it. It doesn't feel like when I hit the hits are strong. I don't feel like they're making an impact. I don't sometimes even feel like I'm making contact with the enemies. Me too. And then I feel a little floaty on the the fact that I can jump and climb walls. I don't feel like I'm threatened that much to fall off a level. I, I don't know. I have my problems with the game. I think it's better than the Nickelodeon one, but I don't think that's yes. saying that's not saying much. I mean, saying that it's better than the Nickelodeon one is saying that it's like better than rotten meat. <laughs> or it's like, oh, this cheap burger is better than eating rotten, rotten meat. Because the Nickelodeon game, I'm gonna make some enemies right now. That game stinks. Dank to high heaven. That game is bad. But the roster could have been good. Based on the characters, the game could have been good, Mike. Yeah, no, I, I do think that the, the roster for Nickelodeon was like yeah, having dog rats and ninja turtles and but like, but cat like, dog. Like this could have been fun. 
if it was just the Nicktoons, I would have been more okay with it. Like, I love the Ninja Turtles, but they're not Nickelodeon characters, Matt. Like to yes, you and me, they're not Nickelodeon. But owns to some them. youngsters, there's many seasons of Nickelodeon Ninja Turtles show. So yeah, I but Dragon Ball, mean. Dragon Ball was on Nickelodeon too. So hey, bring him onto the wasn't the game. Avatar I, the Airbender on Nickelodeon? Is he in the game? He is in the game. Oh well, then I, I, this is you know what you could probably make the argument that all the stuff in Smash Brothers doesn't make but sense. Either. I know they just announced Rick and Morty for multiverses. That's like the yeah. first C or next season, whatever. I just think this game should, with Warner Brothers properties, there should be thirty to forty characters yeah. at the gate. And instead, you got LeBron James as one of the first like ten. LeBron James is not voiced by LeBron James, by the way. It's it's really weird. Well, I mean, he's probably the most expensive person on the planet, but. I play a little bit of multiverses and like you, I felt floaty. I was playing as Harley Quinn and I couldn't hit. I felt like I wasn't hitting them when I was hitting them. Like Smash Brothers, man, Sakurai is like a wizard. When you play a game that's like Smash Brothers, but isn't Smash Brothers, you could see how much work goes into making sure that every hit in Smash Brothers feels like it's something important. It feels like it's got weight to it. Each character has weight. This game feels like... Like I'm playing with cardboard cutouts using like a like a grab tool. That's what it feels like. It feels like I'm trying to flop color forms yeah. on a wall from like a, with like a ten foot arm. That's how it feels. It feels like I'm not actually controlling my character. That there's really nothing I could do, and it, ultimately it's just a gotcha nonsense cash grab. Now I will say this much: the roster is like an identity crisis. And while a it's Game of Thrones character, you got like four DC characters in there, so it's very DC heavy. And yeah, and then we're gonna get Black Adam. Yep. And we're gonna get Spike from the Gremlins. Which is like, okay, cool. But you know what? It feels like a cell phone game. Like this feels like I would open up a cell phone fighting game and it's like, guess what? On this week's on this week's match, it's yeah. Ronald McDonald versus the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. It's what drives me crazy about video games right now. And I'm going to rip apart Fortnite for 30 seconds. Listen, first of all, you took my Dragon Ball characters and you made them look Real stupid Fortnite. Real stupid. Why does Goku have a gun? Why does his face look like that? I don't like this. Goku can literally shoot energy beams out of his mouth. Why does he have a gun? Why has Goku got a pistol? Why does Naruto have a pistol or a gun? Why am I seeing clips of Fortnite with Ryu, Darth Vader, Goku, Naruto, and 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 Thanos? Why? Why am I seeing this? And Batman. I am confused and I hate it. Ready Player One was a fun idea and a poorly written novel. Why has this become our life, Matt? Why do we have to live like this? So I have gotten so many wonderful, <laughs> angry text messages from Mike over the last like 48 hours. And I love it. Not a Fortnite fan, so I will not sit here and try to defend it. But I'm with you there. And it feels like the same thing. It's that culture today. It's yeah, that it cash is. grab. It's everyone trying to spend two, three, five dollars on the next skin. And I'm going to sound like a giant, giant Nintendo fanboy. But there's a reason why you don't have a lot of Mario type games, Zelda type games, Mario Kart type games, or Smash Brothers type games, because they're hard to do yeah. really well. Yeah. I can't I think agree. of anyone else that does it as well as them. And Fortnite. Kind of has its own niche. I think Splatoon tried to almost take take on the Fortnite world. I don't know if it's a reaction to it or if it was... Was it around uh, the same time? I don't even know. Yeah, I think wise. so. I think so. Splatoon is really good, though. Like, it's Splatoon, very good. Splatoon's a great game. I think Splatoon was going for the hardcore Japanese competitive scene. 
and it won because Splatoon does very, very well in that community. It's got a community. It's got a competitive scene. It's but really great. I don't great. think it's... it has the cash grab mentality that no, Fortnite no. has. I think you spend 60 bucks on the game. I don't even know if there is in-game currency in Splatoon the, games. I think there might be, but in the end, you're buying expansion passes for Splatoon. Most of it's cosmetic or story or like a single player expansion. But a game like Multiverses and Fortnite, and ultimately, Matt, what it really is, is it's not just that it's a cash grab. Because you're right, it is a cash grab. And you know what? Like, I should stop being so harsh. Like, it's cool to see all these characters together, I guess. But at the same time, it's about the meme. It's mimetic. Yeah. They're trying to capture the essence of a Dadaistic series of memes that have been very popular among Gen Z kids for a while now, so that they can have the next TikTok video of Goku doing that floss dance next to, I don't know, Chun Li and, and Darth Vader. And Rick and Morty. And it's just, it's like a, it's like, it, I'm not making light of this. It really does confuse my brain when I see this. And when I go to sit down and play multiverses and it's like, oh, cool, I can play Superman or Batman. That's cool. If it was a DC Comics only game, that would be really, really cool. I think that would be rad because then you could put in Swamp Thing. You could put in the, the Fables. You could put in Sandman if you really want to. But it's like, how many HBO and Warner Brothers and Discovery characters? Like, are are we going to get Discovery characters in, in this game? Are we going to get the guy from Ancient Aliens? Is he going to show up? Is Tony Soprano going to be throwing gabagool at people? Like, how far does this go? My concern is, Mike, what if you and me are in the minority and most people generally are excited for this and enjoy these type of, you know, we say gotcha, but these type of game mechanics of Fortnite and you name it, of these different events and yeah, Genshin Impact, right? Yeah. What if that's just the way the industry's going and you and me are the minority here saying, get off our lawn? Well, I'll tell you this right now. I'm going to make sure to be a Tony Soprano main because I hate this. And I'm going to go to every, I'm going to get real good at multiverses and I'm going to get every, go to every tournament and I'm going to throw Gabagool at everyone. That's right. Gabagool. Well, I am going to give this Dragon Ball Fortnite crossover <laughs> at least like, a half an hour chance. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm gonna come back around and realize that it's really no different. But the Dragon Ball fan, fan in me, and I'm psyched for the Dragon Ball movie coming out this weekend. Which oh. by the time this comes out, it'll be already be a week. The Dragon Ball movie. I have my tickets for it already. It comes out on my birthday. Same. Yes, sir. Yeah. So like, I, I couldn't have asked for a more perfect day for a Dragon Ball movie to release. It's like the one time they released a Mario game on my birthday. I'm very excited. Yeah, they. Um, I went to theaters to see the uh, Battle of the Gods. Me too. I went to see Resurrection F of Freeze's Return. I've I was seen there the for Brawley. Brawley and I've seen them I, all. And now I am ready to go. And I even saw the Dragon Ball movie with Justin Chatwin, <laughs> the live action when I saw it twice. All right. First of all, okay. I draw the line at Dragon Ball Evolution. All right. There was no Macho Man Randy Savage no. doing dragons in that one. No, but you had uh, whoever... That a white man what? playing Goku is a big problem for me. Yeah, I mean, Goku is, you know, he's a, he's a, yeah. Yeah, that was a bad casting. Yeah, no, just no. Just going to go all out. Just but, say it, bad casting. So I'm, I'm in a Dragon Ball mood with the movie coming out. We got this little silly crossover Fortnite. I'm going to let it, Fortnite, have its moment. And maybe bring some Dragon Ball fans in. I'm fine with that. Maybe there's some casual youngsters out there like, hey, what's Dragon Ball? And they... They jump on the bandwagon. I'm okay with that, Mike. All right. Well, let me tell you, Matt. If you give Dragon Ball Fortnite a challenge, a chance, I will give Dragon Ball Fortnite a chance. 
So just because I want, we have to commiserate. Misery loves company and we have to do this together. There you go. So guys, next week, I think you're going to hear more of our top threes. Me and Mike are going to complete our top threes. We will hear more of the modern consoles. I think we we completed up to PS1. So you'll hear our GameCube, PS2, Xbox, Dreamcast error and beyond for, excuse me, for the rest of uh, the following episode. And then we'll be back to some awesome episodes, some awesome games that we're going to talk about in the weeks to come. So Mike, tell everyone out there, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me here on the Hall of Fame podcast, Hall of Fame video game podcast. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore Mike underscore Staub, where I mostly tweet and post about video games. You can find me with my band, Bad Mary. You can go to badmary.com or Google search out Bad Mary Band. We're at Bad Mary Band pretty much on all social media. And while I would love to say that you can find me at the Long Island Retro Gaming Expo, it happened. It's over. So you can maybe search out Long Island Retro Gaming or LI Retro on your social medias to see videos and clips and pictures of stuff from the convention. Great stuff. So guys, please do follow us on Instagram. We are at Hall of Fame Pod. You can email us at the Hall of Fame Pod at gmail.com. And please do tune in each week. Leave a review. You do not know how much that helps when you do leave a review. And play all those video games because we're at the end of August. We're at the end of summer. It's time that you get out and play some games. This is the quiet time where you can play and play before school or college or work gets crazy again. It's These are the calm times, right? Oh, yeah. They're the calm times. I haven't slept in three weeks, but they're the calm <laughs> times. <laughs> guys, enjoy your week. We'll see you guys next time. Have a good one. Thank you, guys. From Mike and Matt, thank you for listening to the Hall of Fame Game Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Hall of Fame Pod or email us at thehalloffamepod at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and be sure to tune in next time.